Today, I get interviewed and answer all of your pressing questions. Uh, we're here live, uh, Blue Politics Q&A with Hunter Avalon. Uh, is it Hunter Avalon? Avalon? Avalon, yeah. Avalon, okay. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Um, first question we have here, uh, what are your thoughts on deep dish pizza? Um, I'm vegan. Uh, of course, I'd have to announce that right away, but... Uh, my overall opinion is pretty damn good. All right. <laughs> Starting out with the hard-hitting questions. Um, yeah. Pasty wants to know, is Hunter really just a younger John Oliver? I don't know who John Oliver is. Oh, wait, no, the talk show guy. Um, No, yeah. not at all. Xterra <laughs> uh, uh, would like to know, um, if you could wave a magic wand and enact one policy on the federal level in the USA... Uh, what would it be? Um, a form of public health care. Public health care. What kind of form is this? Uh, you think like Bernie's Medicare for all type thing? No, Bernie's Medicare for all, I think, is really radical and it's not really electable. Um, I, I rather push for I've been told that public option is not the correct term technically for it. I'm not sure uh but no basically i want there to be like two types of healthcare. i think that if there is a private industry that provides health care um and certain things that maybe wouldn't be covered by a public option that's fine but i think that these things can exist um like to, uh simultaneously whereas bernie's policy was much more let's get rid of current health care and change it entirely which is what makes it so radical okay uh, let's see. Next question we've got here is from Tan. Uh, if you go back in time to when you were first being drawn into conservative circles, uh, with talking points, what would you say to yourself? I don't even know, <laughs> to be honest. I, I don't know what it would, what it looks like to be like drawn into the conservative circle. Cause that's not how it was for me at all. It was much more of a, um, I, I was very, I was raised kind of. Not like really very politically. My parents were not really very political at all, but I was raised in a way that it was just sort of a given that it was like Republicans good, Democrats bad, kind of. So I was already set up to be a conservative from the start. So I'm not, I don't know what I would say. I would probably just talk to myself <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know, talk about like why I was thinking what I was thinking there and try to give the best responses back. I don't know. It's only something we can theorize. Uh, and so, just get clarity on this because it seems like uh, everyone has a different idea on this. Are do you still consider yourself a conservative? Oh no, I haven't considered myself okay. a conservative for over a year now. Okay. Um, what label would you choose? Uh, I'm a social democrat. Social democrat. Okay. Um. Next question we have from Tan. Uh, what are your views on socialism and how have they evolved from when you were a conservative? Um, when I was conservative, I had a very like dumb, shallow kind of understanding, which was just, you know, government does stuff equals socialism, more or less. Um, I didn't really talk much about the economic stuff to begin with. 
Um, but when I did, it was very much like the cliche conservatives, Venezuela, LOL, all that kind of bullshit. But um, in general, I understand why people want a radical change. I understand that people want something to be different. And I also think that it's fucked up that we live in the wealthiest country in the world and we have people that are dying from lack of health care. Like, I think that's fucked up. But I don't think that uh, socialism is actually the way to go. I think that we've seen historically how socialism ultimately plays out and it almost, oh, well, it does. It always fails. Every time it's been tried, it's failed. And what's much more serious and attainable and realistic is what I advocate for, social democracy, which is, hey, capitalism seems to be the best economic system right now. Still, I think with more regulations, I think with better and stronger social safety nets, we could actually achieve a lot more of these changes that some of these like far left socialists want. But this is attainable now, whereas socialism I mean, it is radical. You'd have to you would literally have to wipe out the entire structure of how businesses operate. You'd have to uh, like I mean, it would be a, a radical thing to push for. OK, and I, I guess just getting in here real kind of quick and dirty. Um, when you say you're a social Democrat, is that closer to like a Central European model yeah. or a Nordic model? Oh, oh, um, I would want to say Nordic, but to be honest, I I would have to double check before I could confidently answer that one. Uh, I do know that, though, that in those other countries where they have embraced uh, social democracy, even to those people, socialism is largely seen as a joke. It doesn't get voted on. It's not popular because people recognize that, like, social democracy seems to be the, the best uh, the best way forward. Uh, so I didn't know about this. Um, I guess congratulations. Well belated. Um, uh, Nicole asks, uh, how did your experience with having a child and the whole situation around that affect your worldview? Oh, I mean, yeah, having a kid definitely changed my worldview, but, uh, I think it was just when I had Rose, it was very much like I was going through a period of introspection. Like I hadn't before. Um, because I was just so wrong about what I was expecting and having a kid and everything else. Um, and so that really made me kind of reconsider other positions too. So I, I, having the experience of being wrong about my kid definitely changed. I don't know if I would directly be like, I had a kid and then all of a sudden my uh, political views changed. Like that's not, that's not how it happened. Uh Serena wants to know, what kind of responsibility do you think online content creators have to correct their hot take if new info comes out that shows the factual basis for their opinion is wrong? Um, how much responsibility? I mean, I think – I don't know. It's hard for me to authoritatively say, but I personally at least try very hard to take responsibility of what I say and be accurate. Um, you know, the more that I've – kind of walked away from conservatism in general, the more I think I've come to the conclusion that I am, I'm really not ideologically motivated and I'm much more interested ultimately in just 
being correct. <laughs> so if that's like, if there's some left-wing positions that are correct on the factual basis, like systemic racism, for example, then I am going to accept that, whether it's popular ideologically for conservatives to believe this or for liberals to believe this. So I think that, yeah, if people are looking to be honest, which I am, then yeah, then they should try and correct their shit. I just did that, actually. I, I posted a video uh, about neo-pronouns, and then I heard better arguments, so I just took the video down. I was like, well, maybe I, I don't know if I'm really that confident in this video, and if I'm not confident enough to like debate and get in a bunch of heated drama on this subject, I probably shouldn't be posting this video, because that was upon me learning new information you know, that contradicted what I uh, said prior. So, yeah, I think that if you're looking to be honest, it's a great move. But unfortunately, a lot of these people online are they're just shameless fucking hacks and they don't give a shit at all about accuracy. I mean, look at PragerU and it happens on the left also, though. I mean, I, I think that um, I'm tempted to say a, a secular talk does this kind of shit also a lot of just misinformation nonsense exaggerated claims or just skewing the information but again it's not it's because they are not interested in being honest they're interested in pushing an agenda so if if you asked one of those people they'd probably say no that's not my responsibility my responsibility as a creator is to further my agenda which is socialism leftism far left ideas whatever that would be their, I guess, uh, obligation if you were to ask them. But for me, yeah, being honest is definitely the best move. Uh, and with that, uh, what would you say about uh, content creators? I, I guess joking, so I'm kind of trying to think, you know, you're talking about like secular talk. Um, there's a lot of things I know secular talk says, uh, or, you know, Kyle, uh, Jeez, I forgot his last name. But on Secular Talk, there's a lot of things where I, I've seen it and thought, like, well, that's obviously not true. But also when I kind of look at it, it's like, well, you know, it's it's probably just being hyperbolic. It's just one of those, like, you know, oh, it's a joke things after the fact. Um, do you think that, uh, you know, as a content creator, you have some obligation to be pretty literal? As in trying to avoid being misunderstood? Um, I... <sighs> I don't think so. Um, I definitely couldn't say yes or it would make me a hypocrite <laughs> because mm -hmm. I absolutely engage in hyperbole. I think that as content creators, there is absolutely a balance there. Um, and I think that the responsibility, if you're going to be talking politics as I do and then also trying to like, you know, you want to be your own unique commentary. You're not just going to be reading like a fucking article and being done with it. You have to add like your own jokes or your own opinion or and I think that being hyperbolic there is acceptable. I think that the responsibility comes in uh, just designating a fine line between the entertainment aspect of your content and then the truthfulness of your content because the truthfulness of your content shouldn't suffer be, uh, to improve the entertainment quality of your content. Rather, you should be able to give accuracy and you should be able to give like straight facts and everything else and also make that entertaining. I think that that would probably be where I would be more comfortable saying, I think you have more of a responsibility there rather than don't be literal. Okay. Uh, next question we have comes from uh, Catgirl Nicole. What are your thoughts on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Uh, I, yeah, I was happy to see him found not guilty. I, I thought that he was acting in self-defense, so I was really glad that the jury saw that too. 
what about like the way that you know that's been treated at least in you know uh online politics twitch youtube uh oh yeah so sorry yeah just uh thoughts on how it's been handled oh i mean yeah it's it's actually really disgusting uh, if you look around at how ideologically driven really everyone's been I, we saw some right wingers doing the bullshit about like him being a hero and i think that's cringy but as far as the Kyle like the the Kyle Rittenhouse thing specifically the left fucked up way more in mm. this one because and we can talk about the right wing too they fucked up with the election uh theft misinformation but when it came to Kyle Rittenhouse, holy shit, from everything from, like, he brought the gun across state lines to he he's a white supremacist to he he's with the Proud Boys or he said he wanted to shoot protest. Like, everything that they said was either, like, twisted or factually inaccurate or just flat out fucking wrong because they're being fed a bunch of information from political hacks that have an agenda to push. And it's way more effective for these far lefty types to be like hey, here's an evil white supremacist that showed up and blasted away at some Black Lives Matter civil rights protesters. Isn't that fucked up? Like, that absolutely fits the narrative. But then again, if you were to look at what happened, it's not even remotely the case. So, yeah, I think that the uh, entire debacle has been pretty disappointing. It's definitely shown me a really clear example that uh, ideological bias far too often just poisons people's ability to be accurate with the facts given to them. I mean, there, there are people that I, I want to say almost there are there are definitely people that have intentionally left out information regarding Kyle or uh, what did they say? I, I, I saw there was one report by like ABC News or something, and they just conveniently left out the part where the dude said that he had the gun pulled on Kyle first. Or something like it was just like weird shit that you it's just like selective. And I don't know. I, I just yeah, I found it pretty disappointing. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of rambled there, but it was just a bummer. No. <laughs> um, so on the hero part, um, one interesting thing I've heard uh, was that it's, you know, basically it's OK to try to make him a hero, not because of what he did, but because of how he was. Uh, villainized, how he was falsely maligned. Um, right or wrong, sloppy or not, um, the comparison that I, I had heard was that, you know, if someone was uh, a rape victim, and when they were, you know, put on stand, they were treated like a, uh, you know, they were called a slut. They were, you know, mm-hmm. basically uh, victim blamed. Um, you know, people, the, the argument goes that people would call them a hero for, you know, what they went through, I guess, in the media. Do you think that makes sense for Kyle? Um, Maybe if you want to, like, construe it that way. If you want to say that it was, like, heroic the way that he was so brave being maligned by the media, maybe. But, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, that's – I mean, I'm not even joking around. I think that that's fair enough, I guess. But it seems that most people, when they say he's a hero, it's usually, like, he took one pedophile out, ha, or, like – you know, he went yeah. there and fucking showed those Antifa or whatever. Like, so I think that, yeah, there are probably ways to be like he acted heroically, maybe by being so brave. If you want to look at like the definition of what it means to be a hero, usually bravery's there. So, sure, I, I think maybe you can make that argument. But 
I, I just think that usually, if we're being fair, the arguments that are being made by conservatives are much more, yeah. Well, he took out a pedophile or what he fought Antifa. He's a hero in my book kind of thing. Like, let's be yeah. realistic. Uh, next question we have is from Rorten. Uh, if any, what kinds of social repercussions did you experience during your ideological shift? Uh, any difference between real life social impacts and Internet social impacts? I mean, I argue with my family in some aspects more than than before because they're still more conservative. And my uh, my grandma is still quite conservative, like really conservative, like like Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh conservative. So, I mean, I argue with her. But honestly, even before I walked away from the right, I would argue with her because we would also argue about like marijuana because she would try to tell me how it was like demonic or something. I don't even remember what she said about the, the marijuana thing, but like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really see too much of a change in like my personal life, to be honest. Um, it was much more just online, the, the online fallout, but I was expecting the online fallout. So. Uh, next question is from Tan. Do you see the political divide mending itself meaningfully anytime soon? Uh, or are we doomed as polarization? Uh, excuse me, polarization gets worse. Uh, I don't know. That's a really tough question. I, I'm not sure how we would even go about like trying to predict that. Uh, probably. <sighs> I, I think that okay. We have the possibility to. We have the ability to be less divided. Yes, but are we actually going to become less divided? I don't think so. I think that. There's one of two things that are going to happen is we're either going to continue down this path of being very divided, especially as we become more divided. We have both political sides that are becoming almost more extreme, like maybe, you know, that's that's kind of generalizing and that doesn't go for every aspect there. But, you know, you have these these like far right congressmen, right, who are like they're really pushing the lines on everything. And then you have like the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders and they're really pushing the lines here. And we have these like really polar opposites. And I think that some of that does stem from this idea that, well, this is the person I don't agree with. So I want to be everything as opposite to that person as possible. And that's not a good way of solving things ultimately. And and to be fair, like AOC is actually shaped up a lot and is um like pretty successful at being like a politician and not so much like an activist. But yeah, I think that either we're going to keep going down the path of just being divided because of the internet and because of the super radical sides now that we have kind of opposing each other, or we might see this type of unity between people, uh, like a populist sort of uprising, which of course would generally not be a good thing. <laughs> uh, I would be against that, but it's possible. And I've seen this being pushed for a lot, especially online is this idea of let's put aside our differences about social issues and whatnot. We all need to rise up and, and, uh, um, you know, we all need to rise up together and go against the elites and very short term. I understand that thinking, which is, hey, you know, we're, if we all just put aside our thoughts, let's let's get together. Let's do you know, there's power in numbers, whatever. That's fine, I guess. Like if I can see them understanding that 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 I excuse me, I can see them thinking that that could work. Um, of course, it wouldn't, because what would happen is even if they did rise up and overthrow the elites, then what? Then you're going to have right wingers. You're going to have neo-Nazis. You're going to have far left people and the far left people are going to want to put 
the socialism down. And then the neo-Nazis are going to be like, wait a minute, no, we fought off the elites because we thought they were Jews. We have entirely different ideas here now. Like, and so even if you can put aside the division temporarily to achieve some kind of a goal, which let's be honest, overthrowing the elites, all that stuff, it's bullshit. Populism is brain rot. Don't listen to it. But even if that were to happen, it would never actually lead to a long-term success moving forward. It would just be like a temporary, um, everyone kind of unifies temporarily, and then they would start fighting and killing each other after that. Uh, so with polarization, what do you think are the main drivers fueling uh, the polarization? And do you see it getting, oh, sorry, not kind of like predicting, but like thing over the last uh, five years, do you think that we've become more polarized? Probably, yeah. And I mean, other than like what I already said about the, the two sides kind of becoming more extreme in some ways, uh, I think that the internet absolutely plays a huge role in this. Uh, I have even noticed in my own life how like, toxic it can become and how it almost poisons your mindset of and your perception of people like it, you almost forget that there are nice people in the world and that most people you run into aren't going to be like major assholes like a lot of them are on twitter <laughs> like let's be honest it's a, it's a different kind of environment and um there was a really cool documentary it had some some like flaws and it wasn't completely accurate but it talked a lot about how the algorithms on these social media platforms are very curtailed to the individual. So everyone is kind of seeing their own individual ideas reaffirmed to them over and over again. And when this happens, they start to feel as if their ideas are much more common and well accepted. And that further polarizes, as you can imagine, right? Because everyone's kind of under the impression that like, okay, yeah, a lot of people are thinking this or this is just what everyone's talking about or do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying there? I may have not have explained that as, as best I could, but yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, one of the weirdest things that I've, I've noticed um, early thirties now, but uh, you know, thinking back to uh, at least the mid late two thousands, it seems back then to me that um, kind of more centrist or moderate voices mm -hmm. were amplified. And it seems like in recent years, uh, the moderate voices are kind of, you know, tamped down in, except for Joe Manchin, for obvious reasons, uh, it's the kind of more extreme voices amplified. Yeah. Um, do you, does that seem to be the case to you? I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Like, that's how it works with the media. That's how it works with social media. More inflammatory shit gets more engagement online. More inflammatory shit catches more headlines for the media, and that gets more readers, and that makes them more money. So, yeah, usually it's the people that are the most extreme and the most vocal and the most bizarre. That's what's going to end up being, uh, like, amplified almost. And that probably leads to division also. Actually, no, it's not probably. It absolutely does because we have these issues now where we will see like, you know, like ask ask someone who maybe has never met a trans person in real life. Ask them like, hey, what do you think of trans people? Their first thought might be like, oh, you mean like the it's ma'am from three years ago? Like that might be their first thought because are is that most trans people? No. That was one trans person, but it was so out of the ordinary that it was amplified and it was viral and it went all over the place because that's how social media and just traditional media operates. 
It's the more sensational stuff, the stuff that's out of the ordinary that gets attention. Yeah, that's one of the, I think, the biggest tragedies. The stuff that's out of the ordinary gets amplified to the point where people in their bubbles think it's the ordinary. Right. Yeah, it's it's very... And I even have, like, I admit to falling into that myself. Like, it's it's easy because I cover the more extreme elements of the right-wingers and shit because, let's be honest, that's what's fun. People want to see you dunking on, like, the delusional idiots. They're, they're not looking for, like, this long, in-depth explanation as to why your economic system is actually better. Like, they're not looking for that right now. That's not what people want to watch. And so, again, it would kind of go back to what I said before, which is there's there's just got to be a way to balance that, you know, present your information, give it get, like it's there's nothing wrong with talking about the sensational and talking about the crazy shit. But I think that that reminder reminding your audience, hey, this is not everyone, you know, it, go outside, touch some grass. Your day to day person is not like this, like all these nutcases you see on TikTok or on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, there, there definitely is quite a gap, I think, between what you see online and then like just people in your day to day life or people in face to face life. Sorry. Uh, next question we have is from uh, Catgirl Nicole. What are your thoughts on three, uh, 3D printed firearms? Um, they should probably be outlawed or at minimum heavily regulated. That's just my initial off the top of my head thought. I have not done any research into it. So if I'm wrong then congrats, you, you got a win on me. <laughs> um, let's see. Gus would like to know what your, they post an article, I don't expect you to read it, but um, it's uh, just a little short blurb. In Slovenia, there was a whistleblower nurse saying that politicians were receiving saline instead of the mRNA jab. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about this. Um, I heard that there was a scandal going on where people were paying off nurses to give them saline instead of the vaccine. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't heard of that happening in that specific area, but I don't doubt it. I mean, these anti-vaxxers are nuts, so I mean, they'll do anything, right? <laughs> Besides just take a safe and effective <laughs> vaccine, of course. Uh, the Lazarus Pit uh, asks... What are your thoughts on doing more religion-based content on atheism, theism, etc.? Um, uh, maybe sometime. Maybe when it's something that I start getting a little more interested in. Um, I'm not really one to get into like the philosophics, the phil philosophy around uh around religion or anything right now. So maybe down the line though. Uh, SMRVB asks, do you think it's hypocritical to claim that Rittenhouse verdict was indicative of deep-rooted white supremacy? in the criminal justice system while Ahmad Arbery's killers got full sentences? No, not at all, because with the uh, latter, that was not self-defense. Like, there's a fundamental difference there. It was not actually hypocritical. So this is the big one, which is um, the case with, how do you say his name? Ahmad Arbery? I think it's Ahmad. Ahmad, okay. I may in be that... getting it wrong, too. In, well, it's fine. But in that instance, they provoked the situation. This was someone who was jogging. They went after him. They assumed the worst. And then in doing so, he fought back and then they shot him. At that point, they initiated the confrontation. So under, at least under Wisconsin law, 
Um, it's that you, you can you lose your right to self-defense if you uh, initiate the confrontation. Whereas Kyle Rittenhouse, he wasn't going after somebody. He wasn't following people. He wasn't even really being like very threatening. At least the, the prosecution was never able to really substantiate that. So rather, he didn't initiate any confrontation. He was just there and then he got attacked. So that's the, I think that's the big difference. So no, I don't, I don't think that it's I, – I don't think that they're um, – I guess there, that wasn't the original question though, was it? The question was the white supremacy element of it. Um, I think that blaming the Rittenhouse verdict on white supremacy is beyond fucking stupid. So yeah. Uh, what do you think would be more fun, uh, seeing Nicki Minaj at CPAC or Gina Carano? Um, neither. Because then I'd have to go to CPAC. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, uh, not a professor wants to know uh, who is your favorite U.S. president. <laughs> All right, pass. <laughs> uh, uh, Skykeeper wants to know how hard do you think it is to change the mind of a conspiracy theorist? Oh. <laughs> Uh, it would just fully depend on why they are a conspiracy theorist to begin with. Unfortunately, and you know, I don't want to be all armchair psychologist, although I kind of do. Um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these conspiracy theorist types are using their conspiracy theories uh, almost as like a coping mechanism in other ways. So if you look at like the psychology behind what leads people or makes them more likely to embrace conspiracy theories, and a lot of it, it is rooted in uh, insecurity, anxiety, this desire to feel unique from the rest, this sort of desire to be in control at all times, and believing in these sort of like holistic narratives gives you that feeling of control, I think. Um, and I think the other issue, too, is that conservatives in general, I've noticed this, especially with the vaccine stuff, they very much like their narratives to be holistic. They like it to be a story almost. You'll notice that almost every conservative narrative, like, let's think about it. It's it's not just like, yeah, Fauci gave some grant money to this and then this thing happened and whatnot. It's instead Fauci orchestrated the virus. He's paying off this Wuhan lab secretly. And in turn, they want to unleash the virus on America so that Donald Trump doesn't win re-election. Conservatives, I mean, I'm spitballing there, but conservatives generally, they like that holistic narrative. And the problem there is that the real world is extremely random. Nothing's holistic. Nothing is like super logical. Uh, you'll even notice with the new COVID variant, you'll see people saying stuff like, of course, they had to release another variant or, of course, they're not going to stop with the new variants, by the way, or like it's always sort of appealing to this holistic, this story that there's someone behind this, someone's pulling the strings. And yeah, I think that, you know, I'm not going to say every conspiracy theorist is deeply uh, insecure, but if you're deeply insecure and suffer from anxiety and want to hold control over everything, even things that you can't control, then you're definitely more likely to fall victim to conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. uh, next question comes from Tan. Uh, do you support the use of lockdowns or other social, excuse me, social restrictions to combat COVID? Um. Yeah, for the most part, I think that that lockdowns, uh, if if they're either really strict, they work, but doing like half-assed lockdowns, I don't think 
are very effective. Uh, Jordan would like to know, how do you feel about anarchism? <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty dumb. Sorry. You, <laughs> you need a government, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, he also like to know, do you believe there's an objective morality? Oh, shit. You know what? That's going to be a pass. Because okay. I'm going to have to think <laughs> through that one more. That's a, those are one of the philosophical questions that I, I'm not particularly good at. <laughs> Uh, Tan asks, should the electoral college be abolished? Um, pass again. Sorry. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, do you know William Z. Foster? That name sounds so familiar. I feel like I probably should know who they are. Uh, we have a question. What do you think about, uh, the socialism of William Z. Foster? But uh, uh, oh, yeah, he's new to you, then we can. I mean, I, I don't know about the dude specifically, but generally speaking, kind of like what I already said, I just see a lot of issues with communism, with the way that it's been attempted to be established in the past. And some of these even more current ish, um, these current like socialist ideas, which is very much like a market socialism, um, that even has issues also, for example, with starting worker co-ops and actually getting the initial capital necessary to start your business. Uh, that's going to be complicated if you're unable to seek out like investors, for example, because it's murky about the type of responsibility that unions or uh, excuse me, that worker co-ops have to their investors as opposed to a traditional firm, which like their main fucking thing is get money back to the investors. Um, so I, I, yeah, sorry, I can't really answer about the, the direct dude, but I can give my general opinion on communism and socialism and whatnot. Uh, Detroit legend would like to know, what is your pushback to people who claim systemic racism isn't real? Um, just ask them if they think that, uh, uh, like actions have consequences or if history has consequences. A lot of the times you'll see that like these white supremacists or neo-Nazi types, are very much against the idea of systemic racism. But then if you ask them how they feel about, say, the Immigration Act of 1965, they're very quick to then acknowledge, oh, wait, previous historical policies absolutely can have a consequence on current day America. There's no reason why previous uh, racist policies like redlining uh, and the drug war are not still negatively impacting the black community today. Uh, setting aside electability, uh, who would be your preferred candidate from 2020 primaries? Oh, from the 2020 primaries? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, sorry, I don't know. All right. Uh, Tan wants to know, would you, uh, regard yourself as a populist? No. Uh, Detroit Legend asks, is it true that Vosh contributed to your shift to left ideologies? Uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely played, like, a role there. People exaggerated, and people that don't like me or don't like Vosh, of course, they are. He's like, Hunter and Vosh are dating, and he changed all of his mind, because blah, 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 or whatever. But what really happened was, no, like I said, I was already in that place of being uh, in a lot of introspection. And then on top of that, I had a debate with Vosh, and that was really the first time I had kind of seen my ideas challenged in a way that I understood. 
it wasn't just like, oh, LOL, a funny blue-haired feminist is yelling at me. This time it was like someone making arguments that were based on studies and research and they were kind of they're like he was more or less speaking my language that's how i'm convinced by things i like data i like to see studies i like to know that you know what i believe is based on something more than just my own feelings or opinion or whatever um so yeah like it, I, it, he definitely played a a role there in um challenging my beliefs and whatnot but to contribute it all to vosh is not true at all usually the people that say that just don't like me or they don't like vosh Base God Flashy wants to know, have you debated Vosh on market socialism? And uh, would you if you haven't? Um, I would be happy to debate him at some point on that, maybe. But I'm not going to debate him now because I would lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan would like to know, should there be gun-free zones? Um, yeah, sure, why not? All right. Uh, uh, similar <laughs> note here. <laughs> I, I feel like they probably weren't looking for that answer, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so on a similar note here, uh, do you think the U.S. Uh, has a major issue with mass shootings? And if so, uh, what would you blame for that issue? Um, I mean, gun control definitely can help in restricting gun violence. Uh, I think that part of the reason we have a lot of these issues is just like we have way more access to guns than i believe any other country i mean if you look at like the way that other uh, other countries restrict firearms america is you know we're very loose with it and everything second amendment and all that shit but i think that that's part of the reason why um i mean does mental health play a role there uh yeah sure but i think that blaming it all on mental health or blaming it all on guns isn't fair most likely if somebody is taking is carrying out a mass shooting they probably are mentally ill there's probably a screw loose somewhere right but it's not just the mental illness it's also the fact that someone who was mentally ill has access to the firearm so that's why it's not actually a either or it's not mental illness versus gun control but rather if people are mentally ill which if they're carrying out a shooting they are they shouldn't have access to the firearms to begin with. So I think that it's completely fine to put in restrictions and regulations. Uh, I'm in favor of like strong background checks. I think that people should have to take like uh, like mental health checks as well. They might already have to. I'm not particularly read up. But I know already, and this is something I agree with, um, you're not allowed to get a license for a firearm if you have, say, like a medical uh, marijuana green card. So... They already have some restrictions there. I don't know. I, I think that uh, restrictions definitely need to play a role, though. So, yeah. Uh, Tam would like to know, do you support a 15 uh, minimum wage? Um, I mean, in theory, yes. And sh the minimum wage should be raised as well. Um, uh, But, you know, I guess maybe now I'm sounding like the ideologue a little bit. But ideally, we would see something like a UBI. So... The problem with the $15 minimum wage, of course, is it hurts small businesses, and then the big businesses are easily able to absorb that. Walmart's not going to have a problem, but of course, the mom and pop shop down the road, they might really struggle with needing to pay $15 minimum wage. So a UBI would kind of cut out the risk to small businesses while still providing people with more money in their pocket, better stimulating the economy and whatnot. 
Um, that of course is like would be in my ideal world, but yeah, overall, I think that the minimum wage needs to be raised. Uh, I don't know if fifteen dollars specifically is like the the right place to raise it to, but overall, generally, yeah, minimum wage needs to be raised. Uh, how concerned are you about China? What do you mean? In in what aspect? Like taking all the aspects, like you know, whether it's the Uyghurs or um, the expansionism. Um impacts on international trade yeah you know, I mean, I, whatever it is how are you how concerned are you with them um I, I mean i'm probably not particularly concerned because a little bit of ignorance is bliss i am notoriously shit with like uh overseas foreign affairs and oh, excuse me i'm notoriously shitty with like foreign politics um or foreign affairs uh but based on what i've heard the, the little bit that i have heard i know that there's definitely some levels of of you know there's some reasons to be concerned there um, what we would do about it, I, I don't feel like I could give a good answer right now. Okay. Um, I hope you don't pass on this one. Mike's favorite question to ask always here is, would you rather fight a lion or a cheetah? Hmm. A lion or a cheetah? Okay. I would have to say lion, and that's because, uh, okay, most likely I'm going to get killed. Either way, but at least with the lion, there's the possibility somehow of escape. Whereas if you're running from a fucking cheetah, you're not getting away from that thing. So at least there's the a slighter, a little bit of a better chance of survival with the lion. Plus, even if you lose in a fight to a lion, it's still kind of badass. If you, I guess, wait, I'd have to fight them. I'd have to fight them, not just survive, right? Would I have to actually fight or just survive the, an encounter with that? Because if it's actually fighting them, then it would probably be have to be the cheetah because they're going to be just weaker in the sense that they're smaller animals compared to a lion. Hmm. We'd have to really get down into the semantics and the definitions and what this would look like on a meta-ethical frame. On <laughs> a meta-ethical frame. Uh, all right. Next question we have here is from uh, Trick. Uh, what is your furthest left take on an issue and your furthest right? Um, shit. Furthest left take? That's probably would be somewhere on the the gender stuff. Um, as far as like my my acceptance of trans people and recognizing gender as being a social construct and whatnot. Um, farthest right? I don't know. I'm pretty left wing on like policies regarding abortion um but i guess from a moral sense i would be more right-wing in the sense that i find abortion to be morally wrong um not a big fan of it but i also think that the way that we reduce abortion is providing more contraception you know public health care that would really help um whereas abort uh whereas conservatives would rather you know just virtue signal about like getting rid of roe v wade as if that would do anything um let's see next question uh excuse me um new socialist era uh writes hunter i understand you have reservations about a totally worker co-op economy but what do you think about worker representatives on company boards for larger companies yeah no that's fucking great there absolutely needs to be more worker representation stronger unions workers need to have more control 
Uh, I'm in favor of all of that. It's more or less the concept of actually like turning a business or or not even that, but rather how would a worker co-op compete against a traditional firm if you were to hypothetically uh, like I've heard, I, I think Vosh and Destiny have both kind of talked about like you see like banks giving preferential loans to um, worker co-ops so that we can get like a better understanding of like if this business model is really successful. But again, it would kind of go back to what I said with the initial capital, whereas traditional firms, if they are if it's a, a worker co-op versus traditional firm, then the traditional firm is going to win almost every time because the traditional firm has the ability to seek out investment, right? Whereas the worker co-op being entirely worker owned means they need to accumulate that money themselves. And if they even get an investor, there's no necessarily fiduciary responsibility to the investor because all the workers could hypothetically just vote to give the money to themselves and that would be it. Now, of course, we could talk about like putting regulations there. This is very in theory hypothetical, but yeah. Uh, there was a user, uh, Castiel, uh says that they're in a couple of weeks moving to the U.S. Uh, they didn't say what country, but they said from the Sahara. Uh, and they want to know um, if there's anything they should do or uh, say to adjust to the culture. I'm sorry, I missed that. Could you say that again? Yeah, um, Calf Seal is moving in a couple of weeks to the U.S. Um, from doesn't say what country, but uh, the Sahara Desert, uh, and they're wondering if there's anything they should do or say to adjust to the culture. Um, I hope they like hot dogs. Just leave it <laughs> at that. That's the only American food I can think of. So, <laughs> no, I, I I'm one of the non. I'm probably the worst person to ask. Because I just sit down here in my little basement and uh, play video games and do live streams. And I, I'm not really very good with the, uh, you know, assimilating into the American culture. Trick wants to know, what do you think about the problem of evil when talking about God claims and ideas? What do I think about the claim of good and evil with uh, what? Uh, the problem of evil when talking about uh, God claims. Could you elaborate on what? that means like, yeah like, problem of evil it's like you know uh basically evil exists well in any kind of questions uh surrounding that so you know people will say things like you know uh there are children that are born and you know they just all they do is they're they're born and they starve and they die as infants what kind of god would allow that to happen hmm yeah, usually I know the Christian response is like, well, we have free will. God is allowing all this to happen. I don't know. Um, I I don't really know how to how I would approach answering that question in a in a, a good way, if I'm being fair. Uh, do you think uh, that? Um, sorry. Uh, do you think that uh, voter ID uh, is in any way racist? Um, it can be like the consequences can be racist. It doesn't mean that it, it is inherently racist to ask for there to be voter ID, but it's rather that it's my understanding that, um, a lot of people like black people disproportionately being in poverty and whatnot, don't always have access to acquiring the necessary IDs that oftentimes are, um, mm -hmm. asked for when going to these, like with, with the voter ID shit. So, 
I mean, in theory, again, it could work if we were to make sure everyone like received an ID. If it was like the government sent everyone an ID, so they like everybody had one, maybe, yeah. But people will also a lot of the times counter like, well, why do you have to give an ID to get a beer and not to vote? And that's, again, because voting is like your fundamental right as an American under a democratic republic, which is where we live. So, like, that is your right. And putting anything that could restrict that, like requesting an ID where there are groups of people that disproportionately don't have access to those IDs, could hinder their fundamental American rights as well. So, again, in theory, it could work. But it's just uh, right now, at least, it's it's not there. So what about um, background checks for firearms? Uh, uh, they, you yeah. know, you have to have an ID. Uh, there's a fee associated with it. And, uh, well, you know, it's the Second Amendment. Does that seem to raise similar issues? Well, it's that the Second Amendment allows for there to be, like, a level of restrictions, if I, if I understand correctly. Uh, I could be wrong there. But... Um, I mean, yeah, those those things, I guess, could be somewhat similar. But again, having a right to a firearm, like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean, I, well, I guess we could say the same thing with voting, too, because we restrict people from a certain age uh, voting and acquiring firearms as well. Um, yeah, again, I think it would just go back to having a universal ID. And I think that uh, on the pure basis of voting is a much more important issue even more so than guns i think because that's what gives you your voice in this system so uh i think that we would just maybe say even by the fact that it's more important ultimately it would be like it's it's more important to make sure that everybody has a uh, has access to an id excuse me uh whiskey writes uh that it seems political spheres in the internet are way more radical than normal ones how do you view that? And as a content creator, do you find it hard to try to have a moderate platform? I mean, yeah. Like if you look at even the way that just like what we just said, sensationalism is what sells. But um, yeah, there are definitely people that are getting really crazy, really insane online. But we see this happening on both sides. Um, we'll see like people on the right, for example, you disagree with them and instantly you're like Antifa, soy boy, communist, beta, cuck, barista, like instantly right and then the same thing happens though with lefties like just yesterday i was like talking a little bit about my opinion on neo pronouns which is like a super niche and like subcategory of like an overall like uh gender discussion and gender studies and like super niche shit and because i was like questioning this or wasn't totally sold on this like very new and rather niche concept i was being called like a chud or people were like Hunter's just still a transphobic conservative. It's like, holy shit, dude. We're allowed to, uh, like, I know that asking questions is kind of a meme now, but, like, you're still allowed to unironically ask questions. <laughs> like, come on, man. So, yeah, I think that that just, I guess it kind of plays back into that polarization. Uh, Tan has a question. If there was a universal health system, should it support transgender surgeries free of cost? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. All right. Do they disagree? Uh, do they want? Do they want to come on and talk about it? 
You can bring them I don't in a think voice. They disagree. I'm thirsting for like a <laughs> uh, for like an argument here. So you know, anyone that wants to come on, if there's anybody reing in your chat that wants to argue with me. Uh, Ten, you want to hop in? I, I, I'm assuming Ten actually agrees with you on this. Oh. Yeah, he he agrees with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, if anybody disagrees, you know, I'll, I'll talk them. Uh, Ten also has a question. Uh, do you have any opinions on AUKUS, the new Australia, UK, and US alliance? Uh, I d have not heard of that, so I would have to do a little bit more research. So no. I do not currently have any opinions on that. All right. And uh, I don't know what this term means, but Trick wants to know uh, what you think about the violinist argument for pro-choice. You don't know what that means, dude? Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what it means either. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and let's see. Uh Ah, so you were, um, Duckman wants to know you were advocating for the, uh, Nordic model, uh, demo of democratic socialism. Um, okay. Duckman wanted to know, uh, how uh, we should grapple with, uh, Nordic countries' history of imperialism. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on that one, sir. Okay. Uh, and Mako asks, uh, what do you think is the current trajectory of your channel? So you've gone from conservative to Sokdom. Is the next path back to all right? Are you going further? Where no, I think the next path is where <laughs> I think the next path is where I'm at, actually. So if you look, first we had the uprising of the skeptics, right? And the whole like anti feminist stuff. And that very much turned into an uprising of like further right kind of shit also. Um and now the or and then we had a uprise of the bread tube, uh, Vosh, the Surfs, a bunch of these like lefty content creators kind of entering the debate sphere and kind of changing up the game. Right next, it only follows that the next person or the next type like worldview is social democracy because us sock Dems are pushing for solutions to the problems, but we're also pushing against the like insanity of the super far left. That's like, yeah, just kill all landlords, fucking guillotine Bezos or whatever. Like that we're actually pushing for real solutions here. So I honestly think that the next thing is going to be social democracy. The sock Dems need to rise up on YouTube. What do I say? Uh, sock Dems must erect. <laughs> uh, is there is there a problem with people having immense amounts of wealth? You know, your Bezos, Gates, and Musk's. A problem? I don't know if I would say a problem. I would say that it's a problem that I uh, they don't seem to pay uh, enough in taxes. I think that's a problem. So I don't think accumulating wealth is necessarily a problem, but it, I guess, would depend on how you're accumulating that wealth, right? So if you're accumulating more wealth by taking advantage of tax loopholes and not contributing to the country that has literally allowed you to accumulate that wealth, then, yeah, I find that to be pretty fucking gross. But, uh, no, I don't really think there's anything wrong with people having a lot of money. Uh, do you have any thoughts? It's been proposed in reforms by Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Do you have any thoughts on a wealth tax? Um, you mean like, well, can you elaborate what that means? Like taxing yeah, the, the basic, wealthy, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the 
Well, it's not taxing the wealthy. It's a proposal to tax existing wealth. So we normally tax income. Like if you have a stock, um, we tax uh, the in the capital gains, the income from when you sell it. Mm -hmm. um, the wealth tax proposes that whatever assets you have over, they're talking about multimillionaires, right. but um, levying a tax against the value of the assets. So if someone's yeah. a billionaire, then at the end of the year when they file their taxes, they'd have to pay a surcharge because they have a billion dollars of assets. Hmm. That's an interesting concept. Um, I mean, on its surface, it doesn't sound entirely bad. I, 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 um, I would have to like dig into it a little bit more though, to see what that would look like. You know, I, I, we've talked also about, I think the Democrats were even talking about, um, taxing, um, uh, was it stock or it was, it was certain assets that these billionaires had that it was it, it was risky in doing so because it risked them pulling their assets out uh, of the stock market, which would essentially like crash the economy in, in a major way. Um, so I think that there's a way to do it correctly, but I would have to look more into that specific policy. But yeah, on its surface, it sounds pretty cool. Uh Tanis, a couple of questions. Uh, do you support FDR's second Bill of Rights? I don't. I don't know. Uh, Tan also asks: Is there anything America could learn from China? <laughs> I yeah, I don't know either. Do they make some pretty good movies sometimes, right? I don't. I don't know. Do they? I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I'm scrambling Sounds here. Right? You're you getting me some tough questions. <laughs> Um, uh, Tan also asks, uh, do you think the U.S. will achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050? Um, I do not know, but I think that a great way that we can try is, um, implementing a carbon tax. When you were talking about the billionaire tax, it reminds me of that, of similar policy. Yeah, of a carbon tax where we tax, um, certain amounts of carbon emissions and then every year we continue to raise that tax higher and higher. So we essentially make it so that it's no longer profitable for companies to fuck up the environment. Uh, and I, if I remember this right, I think it's passed uh, and been signed. Um, do you have thoughts on the, the recent infrastructure bill? Yeah, I love it. I think that it's a huge win for Biden. I think that it's a huge win for SOC Dems because – uh, we consistently advocate that we can continue to work within our current system and our current frame. We can just push for changes that it can be elected. We don't need this like radical revolutionary socialist bullshit, this LARPing. We can achieve it within the current system. And I think that it absolutely is a huge win for both Biden being it being bipartisan. Um, and it's also, yeah, a huge win for sock Dems. Um. A lot of conservatives in particular raise uh, complaints that uh, it doesn't do enough um, to support traditional infrastructure. I, if I remember this right, the final amount was that roads and bridges got, I think it was $110 billion or so. I um, would have to look the... into this. I've heard this talking point, but I know that there were um, there are some ways that that, that information is being given dishonestly. There's still like a massive amount of money being put forward to infrastructure. And it's not, I think what it was is they were like, it's only this much for bridges and roads. Where it's like, okay, sure, that's maybe what you would think of an infrastructure, but there are other elements of infrastructure too. Like, for example, internet infrastructure. I think that we all agree now that 
pretty much everyone should have probably have access to the internet, right? Like it is a major source of uh, information. It keeps you connected now to people or whatnot. So like there are absolutely ways that it's being invested directly into infrastructure. Uh, I also believe that it's doing something as far as, um, uh, oh shit, what was it? Was it trains or was it, um, I don't remember now, but I know that it's, it's, yeah, I actually, you know what I think it is. It's public transit is what it's doing. So there are mm-hmm. absolutely well, other elements of, uh, infrastructure quote unquote that are, that's being funded with this bill. It's a major win. People that are saying that, by the way, they're, they're coping. That's a cope. <laughs> yeah, it is funding both, uh, public buses and Amtrak. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I knew it was, so yeah, uh, we're about at the one hour mark. Uh, just a few more uh, questions here. Um, Bring someone on to yell like at me. To Isn't there? I thought you guys <laughs> don't you have like a bunch of conservatives raging right now, seething at me. Uh, it's blue politics. Um. <laughs> so are you like more liberal then? Um. So it's kind of an accident. Um. Uh. When it first started. Um. Everyone on the server uh, loved my dog, and so it was called Blue Politics. His name's Blue. Mm. Um, and I think it's just an accident of uh, labeling that people that join a server called Blue Politics tend to lean a little left. <laughs> oh, I can see what so, you're okay. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, uh, but no, it's not a lot of people raging, oddly enough. Um, thought we'd have someone. All right, well. Uh, it looks like the people to... raging. It looks like people raging are are coming further from the left, not the right. <laughs> oh well, if they want to talk to, you know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So last couple of questions uh, we've got here. Um, so yeah, but before when we set this up, um, uh, we're talking about doing a traditional Q and A. Um, if you'd like to, uh, sometime um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, you set up. Uh, I don't know a debate uh, lightning round. Or something like that. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd but, love that. Um, last couple of questions we got here. Um, Whiskey wants to know, uh, what do you think about third-party voting? Um, you know, it's very silly right now. At least it's very um, it's not viable at all. Um, usually you're just if you vote third party, you're just supporting the incumbent at the end of the day. Uh, let's see. Um, I think we might get a pass here, but Whiskey wants to know, what do you think about the, uh, Taiwan situation? This is where, um, yeah, uh, you, you China has flown. Oh, okay. Passing already. All right. Um, <laughs> if it, remember, uh, I, remember, okay. You're talking to a normie here. America to me is the whole world. So if it's not in America, then I probably don't know. <laughs> So I think this is a fitting question to end on then. Tan wants to know, is the U.S. the greatest country in the world? No. It can be. I thought you said it is the world. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, oops, <laughs> I contradicted myself. Yeah. No, I, I, think that it, it, I think that it can be. Um, I think that having the belief that it, it can achieve being the best country in, in the world is important because it helps us continue to push to make this country better. But... I guess it would depend on what metric. 
So like even if you look at like again these other countries right where they have stronger social safety nets, there's way more economic mobility. They're they're not necessarily like drowning in debt as much as people are here in America. Um, there are just there they're just uh, um, yeah. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So, All right. So we'll close up there. Um, once again, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, Hunter. Um, if anyone somehow doesn't know where should they find you online you can follow me on twitch it's just my name hunter avalon or you can follow me on youtube or tiktok i know cringe but follow me on tiktok if you're like that <laughs> all right well thanks again man thank you man thanks for having me on i appreciate it